0: We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness. I love this about our country that we hold that the pursuit of happiness is an unalienable right endowed by the Creator and protected by law. There are, however, dimensions to the truth about happiness, which, while perhaps not self-evident, are real. One of these truths is that while we are free to pursue happiness, we are likely to find it very hard to come by in the places that we are usually inclined to look. An old friend of mine named Zach Turner, who was a World War II bomber pilot, was bear hunting in the Rocky Mountains, and he had tracked a big one downhill to the edge of a dense thicket. Just as he got there, he realized that he had been had. The bear who was hunting him was waiting for him, ready to pursue the happiness of eating Zach Turner for supper. (laughs) He got out just in time. Zach would not have been the first person to pursue happiness into a thicket and be mauled by what he thought he wanted. St. Augustine said that only a fool doesn't want to be happy. Sins, he said, are misguided choices in the search for happiness. And he warned that it is our nature to make misguided choices time after time after time. When it comes to happiness, We suffer from astigmatism. Even within our souls, we are conflicted about our happiness. Our hearts may point in one direction and our minds in another, and they compete for the loyalty of our wills. When I was eight years old, I was playing with plastic soldiers on the floor. Yankees were blue. Rebels were gray. My mind was full of family stories about the Civil War, including my favorite one about my great-grandfather, corporate Robert Calvert Murphy, aged 16, of the Louisiana Tigers, who single-handedly captured 32 Union troops, including an officer. Only God knows whether that story is true, but it was told for truth in my family. It was true for sure that he was wounded at Gettysburg and taken prisoner, and had to walk back from Long Island when the war was over. I love the South. But this was also 1963 in Mississippi, when justice was on the line, and it took courage to be a liberal, and my parents were liberals, and it was evident even to this eight-year-old that the Old South would have to go. So I was playing with my soldiers, and an adult friend asked me who I wanted to win. And I felt a struggle inside until I answered, well, I'm for the South, but I think the Yankees have a better cause. This is original sin that we struggle within concerning the pursuit of happiness. Our mind may see our happiness in one place, our hearts in another. They may either or both be quite mistaken. And whether or not they are, when we decide what we want to do or believe we ought to do, we may find ourselves, in fact, doing just the opposite. St. Paul himself noticed this about himself. He said, I cannot understand my own behavior. I fail to carry out the things I want to do. And I find myself doing the very things I hate. In my inmost self, I dearly love God's law, but I can see that my body follows a different law that battles against the law which my reason dictates. That is our predicament as faithful people. So we are citizens of a great, noble republic, and we are privileged to pursue our happiness under the protection of the law. But we are also, to borrow some lines from W.H. Auden, citizens of the kingdom of anxiety, dwellers in the land of unlikeness. Made in God's image, they said, "but we've lost his likeness. And so here's the point. It is as dwellers of this land with moral astigmatism, prone to make wrong decisions, Inclined to fail to keep our best resolutions, that we meet God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. There is an ancient piece of teaching in the church called the Doctrine of the Three Ways. The Three Ways have been compared to levels in school or even levels of play in athletics, such as high school, college, and professional football. The game can be played well or badly within each of those three levels. The game here is not football. It is the pursuit of the happiness of knowing God, who is the author of all happiness, and who loves us. According to the doctrine of the three ways, the levels of our encounter with God are purgation, illumination, and union. A person may be spiritually healthy or not at any of those three levels. Purgation means cleansing, being purged of impurities. The ancient doctors of the soul saw the disharmony between what we think and feel and what we want to do as purgative when accepted faithfully. In the early years of our marriage, Julie and I used to watch on Thursday nights, Hill Street Blues. The hero of that show was a good man, Captain Frank Farrello of an urban police precinct. Captain Farrello, in one episode, was approached romantically and suggestively by an attractive lieutenant named Patsy, but he declined the opportunity she presented him. Captain Ferrillo was separated at that time, but not divorced from his wife. Patsy, the lieutenant, was stunned that he rejected her appeal. She said, I thought I felt something from you. He said, you did. But what I feel and what I do about my feelings are two different things. This did not immediately make Captain Ferrillo happier. In fact, it increased his pain. That is often the way it is on the way of purgation. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that God would take away this cup, nevertheless not my will but thine be done, he was meeting God on the purgative way. Baptism and Holy Communion are our way of participating in the mystery of his purgation on our behalf. We benefit from his purgation. Others benefited from Captain Ferrillo's restraint too. So that's purgation. The way of illumination is described in one of the most beautiful images of the entire Bible. St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Let the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Jesus' promise to his disciples that he will send his counselor to them after he has gone to the Father is the promise of illumination, enlightenment of the eyes of our heart from the Spirit, that he will guide you into all truth. So in our country, we are free to pursue happiness. We might be happier, however, if we used our freedom in search of illumination instead. Here's an instance of illumination from Hollywood in the perennial Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey is about to accept a job offer from Potter, the richest and meanest man in town. This job will mean a lot more money for George, the travel that he has longed for since a child, and relief from the stress of running a marginal building and loan business that he's never enjoyed. Happiness suddenly is there within his grasp. George Bailey, your ship has come in, says Potter. But then comes the moment of illumination, and George realizes that he is just on the verge of selling his soul. He throws down the cigar that Potter had lit for him, and he walks away. This also did not make George Bailey immediately happy. When the spirit of truth comes, Jesus promised, he will guide you into all truth. That is illumination. I think that prayer is always answered. So purgation is meeting God while struggling in the dark. Illumination is meeting God while recognizing light upon your path. So union is, is participation in the love of God for God, for one another, and even for ourselves. Even for ourselves. Bernard of Clairvaux described four stages towards spiritual perfection. Stage one, I love myself for my own sake. We don't have to work at that. We're born with it. Stage two, I love God for my sake. It's the point where we realize that religion might, we might, might be able to actually get us something. Stage three is I love God for God's sake. That's piety. And four, perfection, Bernard said, is when I learn to love myself for God's sake. That's perfection. We are in wedding season now, almost one every week through mid-July. Marriage is intended to be an instance of such participation in the love of God and a sign of it for others. We say it signifies to us the mystery of the union between Christ and his church. Marriage is by no means the only relationship in which two people may find union with God through participation in his love. But it ought to be the safest. If both are searching for the love of God and the way that they love each other, it is less likely that either will be crucified. Our ancestors in the Christian faith did not talk as much about the pursuit of happiness as we do. Perhaps that is because on the terms that we are apt to seek it, through good health, long life, lots of leisure and romance, happiness seemed more often than not out of reach for them. Happiness appears to be closer at hand for us. As for me, I'll take it whenever I can get it and try to remember to be thankful for it. Happiness, however, is an elusive prey, hard to catch and harder still to hold. So appearances can be deceptive. As we pursue happiness, we best do so with the words of Jesus in mind, words which are warning, promise, and invitation. Seek first the kingdom of God.